Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Jenny asked me a question um, years ago. I have never, to, I, we was at Wendy's restaurant, and Jenny asked me a question just as sincere as she can be. She asked this question, I have never to this day got over it. I have thought about it a thousand times. I'm going to hopefully answer that question this morning in the message. But this is what Jenny asked me. She said, why would anyone want to go to Sand Hill Church? That's a good question. In other words, if a visitor comes in, why would they stay? What's the reason? You say, well, we're nice people. There's a lot of nice people. We're great cooks. There's a lot of great cooks. You know, we, we can go through the list. But why would you stay? Why would you come? We're praying right now that the church will grow, that new people come in, that people will come in, and there'll be something there that they'll want to stay and be a part of our church. That's what we're praying right now. Why would anybody want to be a part of this church? Hopefully we will answer that question this morning, um, not just for Jenny, but for all of you. Amen. And um, I am very, very, very excited. I am beyond excited to preach this message. Um, my greatest fear is, is that I will interfere. So, so truly pray for me that I will, uh, we'll have a moment of prayer here in a minute. Pray that I will let God speak and not me. If Gary speaks, this ain't going to be no good. If God speaks, it's going to be really, really good. All right? So, uh, so let's stand, read God's Word. Uh, Romans chapter 2, some phenomenal uh, scripture here. Uh, we're going to start reading with verse 17. <clears throat> Behold, thou art called a Jew, and resteth in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and provest the things that are more excellent, being an instructed, instructed out of the law. And art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them that are, which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of truth in the law." Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, doest thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, doest thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, doest thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. Amen. Let us pray. Father, how I thank you for the service this morning. Lord, just such a, just a precious place to be. Your spirit has been here. Lord, how we have rejoiced. Lord, how we just are really aware of how good you are to us. Lord, how I thank you for each and every one that is here and those joining us online. I pray that, Lord, you'd hide me behind the cross. Lord, I beg you that you'd let me uh, not interfere with this message, but you'd speak to your people clearly where we'd understand your word. And may we understand, Lord, the direction of the church and what we need to be, I pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You can be seated. I titled this message this morning, um, Humility 
as a sign. Humility as a sign. So in other words, uh, we're, the, the sign we're looking for, the, the evidence is going to be humility. So stick with me, we'll try to understand it. So let's look a little bit at the text to understand what we got going on here. Paul's been arguing now for uh, a couple of chapters uh, of those that are not uh, acceptable to God. And now he comes to uh, the, these people, he says that you call yourself a Jew... Now, we know that the Jews were God's chosen people, right? God, God chose the Jews. So, so you kind of have a little bit of, uh, uh, I'm a Jew, right? That, that gives you a little significance. And then it says you rest in the law. So we know the law was given to the Jewish people. And they knew the law because often they were taught the law from a, from a young child. And then, it's, then it goes on to say, you say that you know what God wants. Isn't that a pretty big statement? I know what God wants. That's what he said. I'm a Jew. I know the Bible. And I know what God wants. Not only that, but I'm so confident that I know what God wants. I'm going to tell all of you what God wants. Right? He's confident. You're an instructor. He says, you instruct those that, that, that are in darkness and, and those that are babes. And, and, and so, so you, you have these things to, to look to yourself in, in confidence and, and lift yourself up. And then you are able to instruct those that are not as good as you. Right? That, that's, the, that's the picture we have here. I really wrestled around with this verse, the end of verse number 20. It says, which hast the form of knowledge. Isn't that interesting? The form of knowledge and the truth and of the truth in the law. How many of you know there are a lot of people who think they have knowledge and don't have knowledge? This man was a Jew. This man had the Bible. This man said he knew what God wanted. This man was telling other people to do what to do. And Paul said, it's a form. It's not real. It's a form of knowledge. Does anybody see that's a problem? <laughs> that's a problem. Because there's a lot of people walking around with a form of knowledge. Right? But it's not real. Listen, I don't want a form. I want the real thing. Amen? I don't want just something that seems like it's real. I want something that is real. And, and then he goes on uh, uh, saying, you know, you, you tell people not to steal, but you steal. And, and what I imagine this has to mean is um, you're up here correcting them on what they're doing, and you're doing something just like them, you, just you can't see it. Right? Because you have a form of knowledge. So the, you know enough to know that this is wrong to tell someone else they need to quit, but you are still doing it just as bad as they are. And can I tell you, that is very, very common in church. And so we have adultery and we have stealing and, and we have uh, 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 idolatry and, and all these things. And then we drop down in verse 23. He says, Thou that makest thy boast of the law. So you are bragging on your understanding of the Bible through the breaking of breaking the law, dishonorest thou God. And boy, is how power, do you guys see how powerful that is? You say you're so biblical, and by what you're doing, you're shaming God. You're bringing shame on Christianity. You're shaming the church. But you say you're biblical. 
And how powerful is verse 24? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you. Oh my goodness. That ought to make every one of us just fear and tremble right there. The sinners are blaspheming God because of you. You know, if you call yourself a Christian, that's a serious thing. If you go out into the world and say, I am a Christian and don't act like a Christian, you are blaspheming the name of my God and my Jesus because you say you are a Christian, but you don't act like it. And the world then mocks my God. You ever thought about the fact that you ever thought about the fact that, you know, I I think the worst thing anyone can ever, ever say, you know, I, I don't really I don't like to be around cussing, but I think the worst thing anyone can ever say is when they take the precious name of Jesus as a cuss word. But have you ever thought maybe they wouldn't have done that if we'd have held his name up a little bit higher? Ever thought about that? In other words, it's being blasphemed maybe because we haven't made it as big as what it should have been. So this man here uh, has a lot to brag about and thinks he has a lot of prestige and has a lot of uh, that's better than other people. But can I tell you that Paul is describing a sinner? Let that sink in just for a minute. Knows a lot of Bible, called God's people. Says he has an understanding of God's will, telling everybody else how to live. But Paul is describing. So I'm not going to take time to prove that point. We'll prove that later. Uh, but but Paul here is not talking about a saved person. Now, I think that's a pretty big deal. I think that's a pretty big deal. What this man says here, and I would like to talk this morning about humility as a sign. Does this sound like this man has any humility? <laughs> this man got any humility? I mean, whoever this man is, whoever Paul is describing here, uh, th- this man is caught up on his, uh, if you will, his uh, pedigree. He's caught up in his knowledge. He's caught up in his understanding and his higher enlightenment than everybody else. And he's telling others what to do. At the same time, he's making God be blasphemed because he's not living the life. Right? And not an ounce of humility anywhere. I'd like to say before I get into the, the, um, the points this morning, I really hope God will help me not to mess this up. Humility will fix every problem we have in the church. Is that too much? Humility will fix every problem we have in the church. It, it, it fixes every problem. I'm going to try and prove that to you this morning. This is so interesting. I had never really occurred to me or dawned on me this way. I wrestled all week long with this message and uh, began to kind of, the Lord allowed me to see this last night. And, I, and I, I'll be honest, I just kind of sat in my basement and said, wow. Wow. <laughs> and I thought this morning, I got up, to, I got up to this morning thinking about the message a little further. I want to thank the Lord because I don't want this to come across as a, now if you need it, it needs to step on your toes. But I don't want this to come across as a chastising message. I, I am excited to be able to preach this. Like I mean, as I preached the same message five years ago, it would have been a much, much different message. It would have been more, you guys need to do better. But this morning I want to preach it on hallelujah. 
we have moved from where we were. Amen? Hallelujah. We are not where we used to be. So I'd like to talk about four stages of, of maturity. We talk so much about maturity, I think we do not know much about maturity because I think we talk about it a lot and don't really know how to practice it. We're going to talk about four steps of maturity. I apologize to you for doing this. I sent Josh the uh, points and I sent Jamie the points and I decided to add a point and I didn't have time to have them fix it. So I'm going to actually start with stage two, but let me just insert, it's not in, it's not going to be in your notes, uh, but let me just insert uh, stage one of maturity as a new convert. We're not going to talk about it a lot because it doesn't really fit into the whole humility uh, uh, lesson, but we have the first stage of maturity would we all, you got to be born before you can grow up. Does that make sense? We don't have any grown-ups here who didn't start out as babies, right? That's how you start. We have to be a baby. You have to be a new convert, which is a baby in Christ. You have to start there. Your sins are gone. You're not going to heaven. That's about all you got. Right? Fair enough. We all started. Is there any shame in being a baby? Not at all. Hallelujah. We got babies. Amen. I think babies are pretty precious. Amen. Especially if they're my grandbabies. But anyways... So we all start as a baby, but can I tell you, as a, as a new convert, you're not looking around the church seeing any faults. You're not looking around the church thinking about how you're better than everybody else. You're, you're glad you're not going to hell. <laughs> That's about all. You don't know a whole lot about the Bible. You don't know a whole lot about anything. And so, so humility doesn't even really enter the picture because you're just simply glad you're not going to hell. That's stage one. That's, that's not where we're starting, but that's stage one. So then we move along. Point number one. We are lacking humility. We are lacking humility. Point number one. I would offer this as stage two of our, I hope I made that terribly confusing, a, a stage two of maturity. So you start out as a new convert, okay, and then you move on to stage two. Here is stage two. I'd like to really draw you a good picture. So now we have someone who has been saved. They start coming, let's just say they go to a good church where the Word of God is preached, where they learn the Word of God. Every Sunday they're sitting under the, the teaching and preaching of God's word and they begin to understand the Bible. Okay? They, they, they didn't know anything before and now they all of a sudden they start to understand, oh, I'm not supposed to be doing that. Oh, I need to quit. Oh, I'm supposed to do this. Oh, I need to change. Oh, I need to make some corrections here. And so they're learning the Bible and they are growing and they're becoming sanctified. That's what we're supposed to be doing, right? We're supposed to be becoming sanctified. And so I've put away these things because the preacher said I should and I stopped doing these things because God said I shouldn't do them and, and I've made these changes in my life and I, I have moved on to stage two. I have now no little Bible and I live a little Bible. Okay? Do you know what the problem with stage two is? Let me show you this problem with stage two. You guys remember the message about spirit, soul, and body? Okay? So, stage number two. My spirit says, I hear what God's saying, and I'm going to listen. My soul is drawing near to my spirit, and my soul is saying, let's do what God says. So my spirit and my soul begin to make my body uh, do what the spirit says. My body does not like that. Brother Terry, just a real quick rabbit trail. Brother Terry come up to me and he says, he said, Pastor, that message you preached about body, soul, and spirit, he says, do you know why the, the body doesn't like to do what God says? It can't gain anything from it because it can't go to heaven. What's the body get out of it? If your body starts acting right, it gets left behind anyway. It might as well have fun and be sinful, right? 
I mean, we might just be, my body's saying, man, let's don't do that. Let's do this. This is more fun. And, and my spirit's saying, no, let's do what God says. And my body says, if we do what God says, I still got to stay here. I don't get to go to heaven. Right? So your body's like, I have no use in this. But you know what the first, this is so important. I want you guys to get this. Do you know what the automatic response, let, let me say this the right way. Gary was in stage two. And I have watched so many of you go through stage two. And praise God, a whole lot of you are past stage two now. But do you know what the automatic response of the flesh is when the Spirit begins to change it and make it better? Pride. The automatic response every single time. I quit doing this. I quit going there. I quit doing this. I started reading my Bible more. I started going to church with it. I started doing this. I started doing And look at them. They're not doing that. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a lot better than they are. That's the automatic response. You can't help it. It's stage two of maturity. You're lacking humility. So though you are getting closer to God, though you are learning the Bible, though you are moving up and changing your ways, you're, you can't help but your flesh looking around and saying, uh, they should have been listening because they're not doing what the Bible says. They're not as good as I am. They're not a good Christian because they obviously didn't move up like I did. The preacher said it and I did it, but they didn't. So obviously I'm a good Christian and they're not. And pride sets in. How many of you think that's pleasing to God? That's not pleasing to God. So I quit doing this and I started doing that and I started reading my Bible. I started coming to church and I doing all these kind of things. But I got pride in my life and I have just as much sin. How many of you know why the devil left heaven? Pride. So I'm more like the devil than that person who's not reading their Bible. Do you guys take that? So pride has entered in, and in stage two, I am lacking humility because I'm all about a me. <laughs> How many of you know all about me won't work? All about me will not work. It is, and that it, we become, our flesh becomes lifted up in pride. And though we are doing some Bible things, and though we are doing some Christian things, and though we maybe look a little better on the outside, our pride is rising us up. And all we can do is point fingers at everybody else. Has anybody ever seen any Christians like that? Sister Georgia, I, I, I can't do this because I'm the pastor. I'm not allowed. You guys are allowed to do this. I'm not allowed to do this. But so many people come up to me and they say, I can't believe them. And I want to say, I can't believe you. <laughs> right? That's what I want to say. Because you got sin all over the place, but all you can say, Pastor, did you see them? That's pride. That, that, there's no humility there. There's no brokenness there. It is, I did what the Bible said, and I am a good Christian, and shame on all the rest of them, and ain't as good as me. There's a lacking in humility. And that's stage two of, of maturity. Now, do you guys see that at this stage where you are lifted up in pride and it is all about you, do you guys see that this, this is so important? This is so, Jenny, I'm getting there, okay? Honey, I'm, I'm getting there. It's going to be really good here in just a second. Do you guys see that it's stage two? If we have a church full of stage two maturity Christians, do you know what we're going to have? A whole lot of fighting. A whole lot of bickering. A whole lot of strife and conflict and backbiting and mad at each other and won't speak to each other. And I'm going to split the church and didn't do it my way and I didn't get my way and then my way is important. They didn't recognize me and they didn't say something nice about me and they didn't talk about me. And it's all about me, 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 me. And you can't have church like that. 
Listen, you can preach them people to death. You can beat them people down. You can do everything you want to. But if you've got a bunch of stage two Christians, you cannot have church because they will always be fighting with each other. All, church splits always come from stage two Christians. Uh, fighting always comes from stage two Christians. Division in the church always comes from stage two Christians. All of those things are, are absolutely uh, the, the way that church will have to be is stage two Christians because there is no humility. Amen? Let's read just a little bit of Bible. <clears throat> this, I, I, want, I want you to read, be turning your Bibles to the book of James. I want to read a verse for you that's not, uh, that I'm not going to make you look at, but I want you to turn your Bible to the book of James. James chapter 3, I want you to read it with me. Proverbs 13.10 says, listen very closely, Only by pride cometh contention. Only. You can't fight without contention. Well, I could preach there for a long time. Let's finish the verse. But with the well advised is wisdom. So there's a, there's a contrast here. There, there is pride and there's those that have wisdom. But they're not the same thing. Let me just say real, real quickly. Uh, the Bible says only by pride cometh contention. If there's two of us bickering in the church, there's pride. Either on both sides or on one side. But you can't have a fight without pride. That's what the Bible says. Look up here. Look up here. Everybody needs this. Everybody look up here. If a husband and a wife are fighting, there is pride. You cannot fight without pride. I have pride. Renee's got some. We fight. Do you know it would be impossible to have a fight without pride? Oh, honey, if you want to do it that way, we'll do it that way. How many of that ever happened to? Right? But, but seriously, why do we fight? And you know, in, in marriage, just, just real quickly, do you know, marriage, you know I, I, I've, been, I, I've been married long enough to understand this. Do you know why most times we fight? Because both of us want our way. And we're going to be mad at the other one because they didn't do it the way that I wanted to do it. Right? Now, I, now brothers, I haven't arrived. Marianne told me yesterday, a happy wife is a happy life, right? And mom ain't happy, nobody happy. But I have learned, I have learned... That life is a lot better if I, if I think about what she wants. Right? I've told you guys before, there's a whole bunch of things that Renee, this is really important to Renee. It ain't important to me. But guess what I do? I do what's important to her. Because I want to humble myself so we don't fight. When she says, this is important to Gary, I'm going to do what Gary wants, even though I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. That's how we start having a good marriage. Because we humble ourselves. But pride says... When she does it my way, the old timers, when she does it my way, glory to God, we'll have a good marriage. If not, I'll smack her around a little bit, right? That's how you have a good marriage, right? That's how, that's how you get it done. When she comes over to where I'm at, we'll start having a good marriage. No, that's not how you have a good marriage. How you have a good marriage? You humble yourself down and you say, let's, let's meet in the middle and let's be humble. Is anybody with me this morning? Listen, me and Renee done enough fighting to know how this thing works, right? And, and listen, look right here. We've done enough fighting to understand how this works. We have grown up enough to know how to stop doing a whole lot of that garbage. Those days of, of, of staying mad at each other and not speaking to each other and all that junk. Listen, that's for children. If you've been married a few months and you do that, that's fine. If you've been married a long time, you need to quit doing that junk. Right? Listen, I, I tell her all the time, I say, honey, we're too old to do this. We're too old to stay mad at each other and fight back and forth and bicker and hate and everything else. I love you. You love me. Let's act like we love each other. Is anybody with me? Am I by myself? That's what marriage is supposed to be, and that's what church is supposed to be. Listen, 
we shouldn't be fighting amongst each other. And we can't have fighting in the church if there's not, if there's not pride. <clears throat> so I want to read you a couple of verses because they're really, really good. James chapter 3, I want you to read these with me. And, I, and I'm trying to hurry, but this is so good, I do not want you to miss it. James chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 14. <clears throat> but if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. And lie not against the truth. Boy, that's powerful. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly and sensual and devilish. Wow. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Oh my goodness, James is just blunt. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace to them that make peace. Man, I could preach for a long time on that, but I got to just use that as a, as, a, as, a, as a reference verse. James is clearly saying, if you guys are fighting, you're not being what you're supposed to be. And if you're what you're supposed to be, you won't be fighting. Am, am I right? Humility and getting right with God will put all that fighting away. It's just plain. And it is childish. And it is childish. Turn with, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to read these verses with me because I want you to maybe go home and look at them. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 1. <clears throat> Are you there? Say amen. All right. <clears throat> And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Plain. If we're fighting amongst each other, we're a bunch of babies. We're immature. We've not grown up. Listen, you can't listen. You can't be fighting amongst each other and say I'm mature. I've seen people try to pull that trick. I'm mature and I, just like this guy in Romans, I'm I'm wise. I know the Bible. I'm living right, and they're not. And that's the reason I'm mad at them. Listen, you can't do that. You can't do that. Real, real, you don't have to turn there. Let me just read it. We all know this. Probably most of you can quote it, but let me just read this to you real quickly. I think I got it marked here. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. We all know the fruit of the Spirit, right? This just really stood out to me big. We know the, we know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What is missing there? What The fruit of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's living inside, what's missing? There is nothing on the list about being mad. There's nothing on the list about bitterness. It's not, there's no room for it. There's nothing on the list about getting upset or your feelings hurt or offended. It's not, there's nothing. It is saying you walk all the time 24-7 with love and joy and peace and gentleness. That is the Christian life. Josh said that God lives through you. You say, I can't live that way. If you get you out of the picture and let God live through you, you can live that way. You wouldn't have to be upset all the time. You could have joy and peace and get along with everybody. Amen. Amen. That's what we need. So if you have a church full of stage two Christians, you're going to have a lot of fighting going on. A lot of bickering, a lot of fighting back and forth, a lot of can't stand each other, church splits, all of that. 
I don't want to be a stage two Christian. Can I just say this? I have been a stage two Christian. You can't get there without going through stage two. It's the automatic thing your flesh does. You get saved, you learn a little bit, you move a little bit, and then you get proud. And then you fight with everybody and find fault with everybody else, and then you figure out you were wrong, and then you move on. That's how this thing works, right? So now we move past stage two, and we go to stage three. So <clears throat> point, number th- point number two, <clears throat> made that confusing, I apologize. Point number two, learning the truth. Learning, this is so very important. So in, sta- in, the, in, the, in, the, in the stage before this, when we were lacking humility, we understood that adultery was, adultery was wrong. We understood that killing was wrong. We understood that stealing was wrong. We understood all the, we know we under, we, I understand the Bible. I know that it's wrong to steal. You don't understand the Bible. Okay? You have the very uh, basics down. This next stage, when we're learning the truth, we go on a little deeper. We begin to understand that this book doesn't simply say, do not commit adultery, do not kill, and do not steal. But this book says things like, you're no good. You guys get a steady diet. You guys keep coming back. I don't know what's wrong with you. But you guys get a steady diet almost every Sunday of me telling you that all of you guys are no good. But you know why I tell you that? Because you guys ain't no good. You guys ain't no good. When you read in this book and you get down a little deeper, you're going to figure out this book plainly tells you you're no good. None of you are any good. You can't possibly be good. Listen, your flesh over here is evil, wicked, and, and it is despicably uh, bent towards sin. You have no hope of being good until you get in the spirit and live where God is at. That's the only hope that you have. And so, so we're not good. And as you get a deeper understanding of the Bible, you begin to understand that Jesus died for you, not because you did one or two things wrong, but because you were wicked needed to go to hell when you understand that and you really grasp the deeper understanding of the bible i'll be well i don't want to study the bible it's not interesting it's it's boring i know what's right and wrong i don't need a bible and they have a very um god help me they have a very shallow understanding of the bible and they want to fight with everybody who doesn't agree with them but as they go deeper and they learn more of the word they begin to find out that they are a rotten scoundrel and they have a hard time fighting with anybody else because they figured out they're bad can I say your pastor went through that? Some of you have been here long enough, says George. Some of you know, when I was in stage two, I thought I had it and thought nobody else did. And then I figured out I don't have it. <laughs> right? And then I said, I can't be mad at anybody else because I don't have it either. Right? So all of a sudden, I got a little bit of humility when I realized what the Bible said about me. Because I'm no good. And as I learn a little bit more and I grow a little bit more and have a little bit more truth, uh, uh, understanding of the Bible and of what God says... How many of you know that the closer I get to God, this is really important, please listen. The closer you get to God, the more you're going to see your sin. You don't see your sin when you're far away from God. You start getting close to God and all of a sudden your sin starts sticking out and you think, oh my goodness, I'm not going to correct anybody. I am horrible. Why did they even let me go to church? I'm such a bad person. Because you're getting closer to God. Some of you here, some of you at church, you, you, you don't see any of your sin because you're not very close to God. Some of you are very good Christians and you see your sin plainly because you're getting closer to God. Is this making sense to anybody? So we're, we're learning to grow. We're recognizing the desperate need that I have for salvation. I'm finding it's hard to come down on others because I find that I am desperately in need of God's mercy. Now this is really exciting. Here's where it gets good. I'm getting there, Jenny. Hang on. This is where it starts to get really good. In this stage of learning the truth, this is stage three of maturity, the church starts getting along. Can we just stop right here and shout hallelujah? Some of you ain't been here long enough to know what I'm talking about. 
Can we just start here and shout hallelujah? We're getting along. We're loving each other. We like being together. We have fun. Church is a, is a, a family where we all want to be together. That, that's what church is supposed to be. It was designed. It was not designed to hate each other. It was designed to love each other. It begins to be fun to come to church. I see you guys come in here on Sundays and you got a big smile on your face and you look like you want to be here and the congregational singing starts and you guys are on your feet clapping your hands, smiling and happy to be here. We're having fun here in church. That's what church is supposed to be. It's fun. Now I won't ask anybody to raise their hand and I know we got people here from all different churches and all different things going on, but has anybody ever went to church when it wasn't no fun at all? Anybody ever went to church when you knew half of them hated the rest of them? Everybody went to church is kind of just holding your head down and hoping nothing didn't explode? Is that church? That is not church. Is that what Jesus died on the cross for, is to give us a bunch of people who hated each other? He died on the cross to bring a bunch of us together so we can get along and love each other. And that's what happens when you gain a little more knowledge and humble yourself. Amen? That's what happens. So stage three, uh, we start uh, getting along. Offenses become rare and unacceptable. People getting their feelings hurt, people being upset, people being mad, people falling out with other people, it gets to be rare. Instead of an everyday occurrence that we just know is going to happen, well, who's going to blow up today? It's just a rare thing because we're learning what the Bible says. <clears throat> the congregation starts having a realistic look in the mirror. Did you get that? You actually see yourself. Oh my goodness, I messed up. <laughs> I, I'm sinful. I, I, I don't mark up the guy's word. I'm not what I need to be. How can I be finding fault with someone else? Because I see how I really am. When you learn the truth of God, it will take the, it will take the pride out of you. Because pride is, pride is really ignorance thinking you are something that you are not. And that's exactly what the guy in, in, in Romans chapter 2 was. <clears throat> and I have here in my notes... Many never make it to this stage. I want you to just think about that for a minute. How many churches are, and I'm not here to bash churches or anything else, but how many churches are there all over our land today, all over the country, how many churches are there that it is a church full of stage two Christians where they hate each other, can't get along and fight all the time? And that's all, that's all they know church be. How many people have been raised in a church where all they did was fight and bicker back and forth all the time? That's all church was. How many kids have been raised in a church where, where all they've ever known is the Christians fighting amongst each other, and as soon as they turned 18, pew, they was gone and they never come back? You know why that was? Because church ain't supposed to be that way. Church is supposed to be love and getting along and mercy and grace. That's what church is supposed to be. But how many Christians never, ever get that? Listen, this has nothing to do with how long you've been saved. I don't care if you've been saved for six months or 50 years. This has nothing to do with years. It has to do with growing up. And there are a lot of people who have never grown up. And there's a lot of people that I know today. There's a lot of people I know personally today that have been saved for a long, long time. And they're still in stage two. They see everybody else's faults. They're always wanting to fight. And they've just never grown up. But praise God, a lot of people here have grown up. Now, the last stage is really, really exciting. <clears throat> really exciting. So, so, so we started out, we were lacking humility. Then, then, we, then we got to the stage, we were learning the truth that, hey, I am not so hot after all. The third stage we come to is so very exciting. The third stage is living like Jesus. What would it be like to have a church full of people that live like Jesus? What would that be like? Now, it's not, look how good I am, look how bad they are. 
Now it's not. I can't believe they're not a good Christian. Now it's not. Let's fight back and forth over what I want. Now it's not. I didn't get my way. I got my feelings hurt or they didn't mention my name and I don't want to come back to church. It's none of that junk. There's none of that going on. And we, we're no longer talking about me. We're talking about him. It's about Jesus. Now, at this stage, it's not about me. If I come to the church and work my guts out all day on Saturday and the pastor doesn't get up and brag about how great I am, I don't say, well, I'm never coming back. Amen. Everybody knows I'm a John MacArthur fan. I watched him get, this is just a little funny, a little joke. He got up, he got up, if you know John MacArthur, he got up and there was probably 10,000 people there and he gets behind the stand and as he got up, they were hooping and hollering and applauding and everything else and he said, there goes my eternal reward. You guys just ruined it for me, right? Listen, if you want to come out here and work all day on Saturday so I can brag on you, you don't get anything from God, you just get something from me. Who would you rather get blessed from, God or me? Who would you rather be recognized by, God or by me? But when it's all about you, that's all you can think about is they didn't recognize me, they didn't call my name, they didn't do this, they didn't do that. I want a distant church, I want a dead, I have an opinion, I have a preference, I want my way, I'm going to be mad if I don't get my way. Can I tell you, let's get past that and let's go on for Jesus. What would Jesus want in this church? Not what Gary wants, not what you want, but what would Jesus want? When we get over us, we won't be fighting anymore. If every one of us come to church and we said, I am scared to death, I just want to do what Jesus wants, we couldn't possibly fight. It'd be impossible to fight. How are you going to fight if you're doing that there? Now, if I come in and say, I know I want what I want, and Bessie wants something different, and I am mad at Bessie because she doesn't want the same thing I do, we're going to fight. Right? But if we both come in here saying, I want what Jesus wants, it doesn't really matter what I want or what Bessie wants. It doesn't really matter. It's irrelevant. Right? Is anybody with me? How about this? When we start, to, this is so good. If I could just, I, I don't, Lord, I don't have the, I don't have the words, the eloquence to say this. But can I just say this to everybody here? If we'd start living like Jesus, we would have a very sweet spirit about us. Have you ever met anybody that had a sweet spirit? I mean, it just like there was just something. There was just a calmness, a peace, a joy. Life fell apart. They were joy. They were. There was just something about them because they were living like Jesus. Have you ever met any Christians who were always miserable and always fighting and always mad? <laughs> Is that, you can't find that one time in the scripture about Jesus. You, you don't find him living that kind of life. You find him living that life of, of calmness and sweetness. I mean, they're out in the boat. The boat's about to sink. Got water coming in over the side. Storm coming out. And guess what he's doing? Sleeping. <laughs> you say he was tired. Would you have been worried? Some of you have been chewing your nails off and scared to death. Jesus down there sleeping. He didn't even care. Is anybody getting what I'm saying? If we would become like Jesus, life would be so much different than it is right now. We would have a heart for sinners. My priority wouldn't be I hope church is the way I want it. My priority wouldn't be I hope I get my way. My priority wouldn't be I hope they recognize me. My priority would be let's do whatever it takes to keep people out of hell. Amen? Whatever it takes to keep people out of hell. If I don't like it, it doesn't matter. Whatever it takes to keep people out of hell. That's living like Jesus. And have a little compassion on those that need to grow up. Do you know a good church, in a, in a good church, you will always have new converts, 
You praise God, we have them. You have those that are in stage two. We have those. You have those that are in stage three who have learned some truth and are moving on. And we need some that are in stage four who say, I'm just going to live like Jesus. And so the job of you that are in stage four where you're living like Jesus is to keep the rest of them from killing each other until they get to where you're at, right? <laughs> right? And what we do is we now recognize that those who are bickering are just needed to grow up and be mature, and we don't make them leaders in the church or, or esteem them highly. We say, listen, when you grow up, you can be this. But if you get to this place, you're no longer looking down, down your nose condescending. You're saying, oh, brother, I've been there. I know what it's like to be right where you are. Why don't you walk a little closer to Jesus and you can get past that? Has anybody seen the difference? This stage is focused on Jesus not getting and and not getting their way. It isn't about you, it's about him. Church becomes fun, we love each other. Get this, this is so important. There's a unified goal. Church on purpose. It's not everybody coming out here for their own thing. We are all working together. Because we have a unified goal. To worship God, go by his word, and keep as many people from going to hell as we possibly can. And everything else really doesn't really matter. It's, it's a unified goal. So if we, have a, if we have a congregation that has a unified goal, and then we love each other, and that it's fun to come to, and, and that it's all focused on Jesus, not all focused on each other, uh, that is going to be a very fun church to come to. Amen? And, and I believe that today some people say, well, I'm looking for a church that has spirit in it. Or I'm looking for a church where they're friendly. Or I look for all these different things. But you know what I think every, you know what I believe everybody, maybe they don't understand it. Maybe they've been in church forever and they still don't understand it. But you know what I believe every person on the planet is looking for? I believe it's looking for a church where there are stage four maturity people who are talking all about Jesus and they're not worried about themselves. Because that church is going to be fun to go to. And that church is a church you're going to want to be a part of. And that church is a church that something's happening because God's working in it. And that church is a church that everybody wants to be a part of. Amen? It ain't about having a great preacher. It ain't about having great singers. It ain't about having all these different things we think. It ain't about lining things. It is about this is not about me. This is about him. And when you come in here, if you want to be a part of us, it ain't going to be about you. It's all going to be about him. When you do that, people can't stay away. You know, I believe that God wants to build this church. I believe God wants to grow this church. I believe God wants to see souls saved. Can I tell you what I really believe? Can I, can I just be real honest with you and transparent for a minute? I'm, I'm trying to brag on you guys, but can I just be real honest? I don't believe we could keep but packing this house out if we just get out of the way. Am I alone? See, how do we get the church to grow? Get out of the way. Get out of the way. How do we have a full church and we don't have room for everybody? Get out of the way. Amen. How do we we see souls saved every single Sunday? Get out of the way. Just let Jesus be the church and people will come flocking in. He said, you lift me up and everybody will come to me. We couldn't keep them away from here if we lifted Jesus up. But if it's all about you and how you want things and what you want done, people will not want to come here for you. But they'll want to come here for him. And the drawing in this church is not a more eloquent preacher. It is not better, fancier singers. It is, it is not uh, coffee in the sanctuary. It is not all the different things we can think of that might draw a crowd. You know, to, you know to how to build this church? Lift Jesus up. Lift Jesus up. Let people know when they come in, we're glad you're here. We want you to stay. But it's all about Jesus here. It's all about Jesus here. If you're wanting something else, 
probably the wrong place. Because I believe that's what people want. And I've just been in church long enough to know there's a, there's a multitude. Listen, I'd like to have a whole bunch of unchurched people come in here, but there are multiplied thousands of people all over this planet and all over the state. Multiplied thousands, probably millions of people who just want to go to church and find Jesus. And they've spent 20, 30, 40 years fighting and bickering and can't get along and church splits and hating each other. And they don't want to go to church anymore. Yeah. They, they don't want to go to church anymore. Jenny, this is what they're looking for. They're looking for a church that gets along, loves Jesus, and sets everything else aside. Now, I just want to ask this question. Where are you? Here's the really sad thing about the message. I'm done. Here's the sad thing about the message. You kind of already told on yourself. (laughs) You kind of already told on yourself. If you're not in stage four, we all know it. If you're a stage two Christian, we know it. We already know it. You get your feelings hurt real easy. You get offended real easy. You're mad all the time. You're finding fault with other people. You're putting other people down constantly. We are, you know, I could ask the question, where are you at? But I could ask everybody else, where's Josh at? You'd all say, oh, I know exactly where he's at. Where's Brother Terry? Oh, I know where he's at. Where's Brother Steve? I know where he's at. We all know, right? Are you happy with the stage you're in? Do you need to get a little closer? Do you need to make it more about Jesus and less about you? I think, that, I think there's exciting things happening. We're starting today uh, uh, kind of launching a brand new uh, uh, outreach evangelist, uh, evangelistically. We're starting a new youth ministry. We've got a women's ministry going. We've got a men's ministry going. We've got exciting things going on. Listen, as I've already said, we're not going to do anything if God's not in it. I, I, when we started with, with the men's ministry in the ministry and the women's ministry, this is what I told Josh, this is what I told Rachel or Renee and, and Chrissy. If God doesn't bless us, we're going to stop doing it. We're not going to beat a dead horse and run this thing forever and nothing's happening. If God works, we're going to stay in. If God doesn't, we're going to quit doing it. Let's make this all about Jesus. And let's get all of you out of the way. And we'll have a church. Jenny, we can't keep them away. Because everybody's going to want to be here. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.